Welcome again to our worship, our modern worship here. My name is Tim Power. Uh, I am the pastor of modern worship. And uh, it's been a couple weeks since I've been able to preach here. So I'm glad to be back. Uh, we've had some really awesome words, though, that have been shared. So uh, it's an exciting time to be in the kingdom of God, to be serving God's kingdom, and to be the people of God. Amen? Okay, to, so I want to talk a little bit about what today is. Uh, today is what we in the church call Pentecost. So you may have heard of this, um, this, this, it's basically the birthday of the church, okay? It's, it's this day, and we're going to read a little bit about uh, this time in Scripture, uh, but it's, it's, we, can, we can kind of look back at it as the birth of the church when, when Christianity as we know it kind of began. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about this today. Uh, if, if ever we were in need of the power and the direction of the Holy Spirit, I think we are in need of it right now in our country. I was talking to our worship team a little bit earlier, um, and I told them I am really sick of uh, seeing our American flags at half mass. Anybody else feel that way? Um, and I am, uh, I remember recently driving around with my wife, and she said, why are the flags at half-mass? And she said, was, was there some kind of shooting? And to which I just responded, probably. Probably. Uh, and, and we start to lose count of these things, uh, although really any of these tragedies really deserve uh, our full hearts and our full sorrow. Um, and we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit, and uh, especially there's, there's a, a, an amazing portion of a scripture we'll read today that says that when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. That is an amazing thing to me, and, and this is a week where I really need that because you're probably going to hear, and you probably have many friends and relatives who have strong feelings and strong emotions about how to solve these problems, and they probably share them uh, with, with great respect on social media, don't they? Um, so I, I think that the people of God, things are born out of prayer. That, that's really the, 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 the church was born out of a place of prayer, and I think any solutions for any, any problems, uh, if we want to be part of it, it should be born out of a place of prayer. So what I'd like to do is, if, as we begin this sermon, I would like if we could pray together, and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. Lord God, we come humbly before you, and we pray, Holy Spirit, come. We pray, Holy Spirit, come into this room. Holy Spirit, come into our hearts. Holy Spirit, come into our city. Holy Spirit, come into our nation. Lord God, I pray that you would give us hearts sensitive to your ways and to your kingdom. We know that your kingdom is is where what you want to happen happens. And we look around us, and sometimes it sure doesn't look like your kingdom around us. We want to be your children. We want to be your hands and feet. Show us, Lord God, how we can live out your kingdom in our nation, in our lives, in every sphere of influence that we have, Lord God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and, and change our hearts. Bring us closer into the likeness of you through the power of your Holy Spirit. Again, Holy Spirit, come. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to set a scene for you of this, this time in Scripture that we call Pentecost. Uh, 
Now, I want you to put yourself in a place and a time. We're in Palestine in the time just after Jesus died and, as we believe, rose again. He's given his disciples a great commission where he's basically told them that it's going to be their job to bring the kingdom, usher in the kingdom of God in every nation so that they are to go and tell all people and baptize all people in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So they have this great commission, but they're missing something. He had promised them a helper that would come a helper that would come and really radically transform their movement. And that would be the person of the Holy Spirit. And so they are gathered in Jerusalem, and Pentecost was actually a feast. It was a feast, they call it the Feast of the Fifty, because what Pentecost means is 50, and it was 50 days after Passover. So all of the Jews are still gathered in Jerusalem from all over, and they're still celebrating these feasts. And so they're, But then the followers of Jesus are all in one place, and I'm going to start by reading a little bit of Acts chapter 2. This is a really, really fascinating uh, scripture, and I just want you to just really get this and understand we're reading something and sometimes we read the same scriptures over and over again and they, they become too familiar. We, we can't see how radical they are. I really want you to put yourself in that time. Imagine you're in this place and witnessing these things. Pentecost. When Pentecost Day arrived, they were all together in one place. This is the followers of Jesus. And, and I want you to think about the fact that they're without uh, their Savior. Now, they believe that he has risen again. But you know, one thing that fascinates me about um, the Bible is that even people who have the most deep encounters with God forget about it really quickly. Um, when, when God showed up in a huge way and led the people of Israel out of Egypt, which was pretty massive, they saw all these miracles, it didn't take too long before they forgot all about it and made a golden calf in the wilderness so they could worship something they could see. So imagine the fact that even though they had witnessed some really amazing things very recently, they're a couple days out, and sometimes any of us get this way, when we're a couple of days away from the miracle that God has given us, we completely forget about it. And so they're in this place where the they're a little unsure. And did we really see this stuff? Did we really witness it? And that's where they find themselves. It says that they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a howling of a fierce wind filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on, on each, each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. How would you feel like if you were in that room? That would be pretty amazing. Do you think you might try to put out the fire on somebody else's head? I would be kind of nervous about that. I, I try to think about these things because I really believe these things happen to real people in human history, and it's an amazing thing to put yourself into the, their shoes. And not only do they see these, these flames, something transformed, something took over, and they start to speak with other languages. I love the way this translation put it. It's, it's as the Spirit enabled. Another way, some other translations say empowered, and I like that word a lot too. Did you know that you can be spirit-enabled, that you can be spirit-empowered? 
for real. If you were a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand how radical this idea is. There is no other religion that I can think of amongst all monotheistic religions the world over where we actually believe that something of the actual deity that we believe in becomes a part of who we are. That, that is resident within us and gives us power to live differently. And so over this week and next week, we're going to talk about two things about the Holy Spirit. This week, we're going to talk about how the Spirit empowers us in prayer. And then the next week, we're going to talk about how the Spirit empowers us in living. So Spirit-empowered prayer this week. And I said earlier, I think that prayer is where everything comes out of. Everything is birthed out of prayer. And then next week, we're going to talk about Spirit-empowered living. Now, sometimes we don't know to ask for the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, Francis Chan wrote a book actually called Forgotten God that's all about the Holy Spirit. Uh, and I, I went through that with a class here. Uh, it was It's, I think, a very interesting thing. We sometimes forget about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I think about it, it it's kind of like um, uh, a friend of mine was telling me about going on a cruise ship, and uh, all he ate was hot dogs. That's all he cared about, and so all he ate was hot dogs, and so they had amazing buffets full of all this food, lobster and steak and all this stuff, and he always asked for hot dogs because he didn't know there was anything better than hot dogs. And I think sometimes we live our lives like this, that we don't know what's available to us as followers of Jesus. We don't know that we could be empowered by the Spirit, that we could be transformed by the Spirit in so many areas of our lives, and so we live kind of timid lives. We don't live lives that are fully empowered the way that God has called us to live. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I think, put it really well. He says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures. We are half-hearted creatures fooling fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like infant ignorant children who want to go on making mud pies in the slum because they can't imagine what is meant by an offer of a holiday at the beach. We're far too pleased. We're too okay with eating hot dogs all the time. And God has a lot more for us. So I want to talk a little bit about how the Holy Spirit, this helper that God sent on Pentecost, how we believe it transforms our relationship to God. First, we're going to talk about that in the realm of prayer. And I'm going to go to a, a powerful scripture uh, in Romans chapter 8. And uh, stick with me. This is an amazing scripture. Um, and it's a, a bit of a lengthy passage, but try to stay with me here. Uh, Romans eight fifteen. it says this. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to lead you back again into fear, but you received a spirit... This is the Holy Spirit, a spirit that shows you are adopted as his children. With this spirit we cry, Abba, Father. The same spirit agrees with our spirit that we are God's children, but if we are children, we are also heirs. We are God's heirs and fellow heirs in Christ. If we really suffer with him so that we can also be glorified with him. I believe that the present suffering, this is a great scripture for anybody in this room who's going through some stuff right now, anybody who's going through some painful times in your life. I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the glory that is going to be revealed to us. 
The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. Creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but it was the choice of the one who subjected it, but in the hope that creation itself will be set free from slavery to decay and brought into glorious freedom of God's children. We know that the whole creation is groaning together and suffering labor pains up until now. And it's not only the creation, we ourselves who have the Spirit at the, as the first crop of the harvest also grown inside as we wait to be adopted for our bodies to be set free. We are saved in hope. If we see, that what, we, if we see what we hope for, that isn't hope. Who hopes for what they already see? But we hope for what we don't see. We wait for it with patience. Now stick with me a couple more verses. In the same way, the Spirit comes to our help, comes to help our weakness. We don't know what we should pray, but the Spirit himself leads our, pleads our case with unexpressed groans. The one who searches hearts knows how the Spirit thinks because he pleads for the saints consistent with God's will. We know that God works together all things for the good for, for good, for the ones who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, we know this because God knew them in advance and he decided in advance that they would be conformed to the image of his son. That way, his son would be the first of many brothers and sisters. Now, I know that's a long passage, but I want to get a couple of really, really deep points that we can take out of this and hopefully change the way uh, be changed in the way that we approach God. Be spirit-empowered in our prayer. Okay, the first thing I want to talk about is three, I, I want to give us three takeaways for spirit-empowered prayer. And I'll say them first, and then we'll go through each of these. Spirit-empowered prayer is primal, primal, it's positional, and it's communal. And I'll go through each one of those. Sean would have liked it if they were all P words, but I... I I had, to, I had to go with what was actually there. So primal, uh, do you notice in, in one of the verses, oh, this is a really awesome verse. Uh, it says in verse 15, with this spirit we cry, Abba, Father. What does Abba mean? We've talked about this before, but, but can anybody say what Abba means? Daddy. And uh, is, who's an English teacher here? Somebody? Okay. Any English teacher, is, is that, they call that onomatopoeia when you basically have words that just sound like what they sound like. Is that correct? Did I make that word up? That kind of, okay. It kind of sounds like a made-up word. But I, I believe that's it. Now, that's exactly what this is. It, it's an Aramaic word, but it doesn't have an, uh, a, a, any kind of etymology, okay? It, 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 it doesn't fall back on another word. It just sounds like what it is. It sounds like the cry of a child. And this is not the cry of an eight-year-old. This is like, this is a primal, this is like a very, very small child that's crying out for its daddy, okay? So, so there's a difference. It's not, it's, it's not a manipulative kind of, uh, kind of thing. You know, at some point, kids grow to the age where they can manipulate you, and it doesn't take long at all. It happens quick. They learn how to press parents' buttons. But, but this Abba is actually, it, it, it's before even kids have that sense. It's not that they're, 
they're crying out for something specific. They're, they're crying out for the presence of their parent, not the present with a T, not a Christmas present presents. They're looking for the presence of their daddy. They're crying out, daddy. They're, they're not looking for something from daddy. They're looking for daddy. They want a neck to hug. It's a primal thing that we get from this kind of, this daddy love. It's the language of intimacy. It's not a consumer kind of love. It doesn't seek presents. It seeks presence. The other thing about this kind of love is it's positional. What do they say? Abba what? Abba is daddy. And then what's the next word? Father. And, and this whole passage tells us a lot about our position that the Holy Spirit reveals to us. That we are not God's servants alone, but we are his children. He's our father. He, we cry out, Abba, Father. Here's a big difference between a servant and a child. When a, when a servant works for you, you pay them a day's wage. But what, is, what does a child get at the end of it all? An inheritance, right? Servants get paid. A child gets an inheritance. By the Spirit, we understand we are accepted as God's children. And listen to this. This seems crazy, but it's true. We are looked at in God's eyes in the same way Jesus is looked at. Now, they were very offended at Jesus. He called himself the Son of God. Now, he was very, very unique to make that claim. Now, we talk about it all the time. We, we sing songs like, I am a child of God. That was scandalous at the time. Nobody said they were a child of God because saying you're a child of God means that you share in the inheritance of God. That meant a lot. And when we say we are children of God, what we are saying is that our relationship is not just with the transcendent God who's out there, that we serve, that we basically just try to get in his good graces by doing a lot of work. What we're saying is that Jesus, he lived a life that we should have lived, that Jesus died a death that we should have died, and that because of that, we are now like Jesus in the eyes of God, that the Spirit shows us this. And our prayers are different because of it. That you are a child of God. I want you to do something. Turn to somebody around you and say, you're a child of God. Doesn't that sound good? Doesn't that sound good when you hear that? Somebody else telling you that? That's what the Spirit does. When we pray in the Spirit, the Spirit is telling you you're a child of God. Now, I want to be clear about something, because I think sometimes when we get this idea that, or some people get this idea, and there's a lot of bad theology about this out there, is that when you start following Jesus, all your problems get wiped away. All pain's supposed to cease. God's never, there's basically like a, uh, a, a, a ceiling of, of how much pain God will let you go through. And we, we get this idea that, no, no, now that I'm a follower of Jesus, everything is a-okay. And this scripture, Romans chapter 8, boy, it puts that to sleep. It really puts that to sleep. Um, but what it does is it shows us that in all of our pain, in all of the things that we face together, now, I, I want to say it like this, everyone's going to go through pain. Everyone in this room is going to go through hardship and tragedy the scripture says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. 
That means that the tragedies fall on the Christians, the non-Christians. That means that school shootings happen, and there's Christian students among those whose lives are taken. It doesn't mean that we're cleared of any encountering of, of sadness. What it means is that the sadness is something that transforms our hearts. That when we pray in the Spirit, we're reminded that we're God's children and that all things, all things, no matter what the tragedy, no matter what we are facing, what we encounter, it will transform us. We will experience so many things, but the pain is going to transform us into the likeness of Jesus as we pray in the Spirit, as we are reminded of who we are in his kingdom. Um, all, I've got three sons, uh, ages 11 and 8 and 4. I had to go slow because I can never remember quite where they're at right now. But so, so I believe that's the right ages. So every time we had a child, they strangely said the same thing when they came out. And your kids probably, if you have any kids, uh, probably did this too. They said, ah! It kind of sounded like that. Maybe a little bit higher pitched than that, but, but, but they cry out. And why are they crying out? They're crying out because it's cold out here. Who's that guy that just spanked me? Why is there so much blood and gore around me? I was having such a great time in there. And, and, and yet there's so much pain in that child that moment and so much confusion and yet isn't everything in that room that's happening for that child's good all the medical folks around that child are trying to work for the good of that child the doctors are working for the the good of the child the parents are working for the good of the child but the child can't see it in that moment can they 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 just they are going through the pain and you know we are going to go through things in life as we groan and we will all grow and we experience pain, we're not broken by it. See, that's the difference. That's the difference of when we are empowered by, by, by the Spirit. That when we groan, we're shaped by it. We're changed by it. We're transformed even through our weakness. And I, I think this is awesome. Verse 29, what does it say we're transformed into? It says that in all of this, even in all of the pain, even when we're, when, when we're seeking God and we're crying out, groaning, we don't know what to pray about these school shootings, God. We don't know what to say anymore. We don't know what to tell our children anymore. And as we're groaning, as the whole world is groaning, the Spirit is transforming our hearts into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The Spirit is transforming our hearts into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Spirit-empowered prayer is not a self-seeking consumer tool. It's a refining fire. Spirit-empowered prayer isn't a self-seeking consumer tool. And when I say that, I mean it like this. You do not have to be empowered by the Spirit to ask God for things. You don't even have to follow Jesus to ask God for things. I mean, how many times have you seen movies where people say, God, if you give me this, then I'll live the rest of my life for you. Even if they don't believe in God, they'll ask those big questions of God. And that's, that's a consumer type of prayer. But what we're talking about is a spirit-empowered prayer where you are seeking God and you are groaning because you don't even know what to pray anymore. But when you seek, he transforms your heart. And in your weakness, you are made more and more into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. That is a hopeful thing. That is a powerful thing. The last thing I want to say about spirit-empowered prayer 
is that spirit-empowered prayer is communal. So I said spirit-empowered prayer is, pr- uh, uh, is, is, is primal. It's like a scream from a child to, to their daddy. Spirit-empowered prayer is also communal because if we go to we cry out, what is, what is the first word there? Is it I cry out? No, it's we cry out. And that's why it's so important that we gather together. I'll, I'll bet some people, uh, you know, if you're anything like me on a tough week, um, the last thing you want to do is get out of bed on a Sunday morning and come, come and be with a bunch of people, especially if you have a hard week, especially if you've had a week that beat you down. But it's so important. It's so important for us to come here and be together and in one voice and one spirit cry out, Abba, Father. Because it transforms our hearts even more. There's a cool moment. Uh, There's a reason why we sing together. Uh, And I I love that when they did that song, How Great Thou Art, that Nick backed off the the mic because he wanted to hear you. You know that? He wanted to hear your voice because it changes us when we worship together. It changes us when we pray together together. When we're as one community crying out, we cry out, Abba, Father. There's something about how the Spirit moves in a situation like this, that we're transformed, we're, 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 our hearts are joined together. And we've discovered not just who we are in Christ, but who we are in Christ as a community that is seeking His kingdom come in this place. So I want us to do this. Um, I'm going to invite the band back up to the stage. And uh, if you would, just in, in, your, in your spot, just close your eyes. And I'd like it if you could lift up both hands like this. You can look at me to do that, see where my hands are. So hold both hands up. And what I want to do is I'm going to ask several times, just Holy Spirit, come. And, and I do believe that if we truly seek the Holy Spirit, he can empower us in our prayer when we don't know what to say, in our weakness, making us stronger, transforming us more into the person, the image, the likeness of Jesus Christ. I also believe that he can change our hearts and show us where we, should be, where, where we need to head as a church, where we need to head as individuals. And so I just want to, for a moment, just ask the Holy Spirit to come. And, and I pray that you would join me in that, in your own space, Just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Transform our hearts in our weakness. When we're without words, God. When we're without answers, God. We pray that you would come, that your Holy Spirit would come, transform our hearts, make us new.